This is Liam Hendricks, and you're watching Crosstown Crosstalk on the Barroom Network. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Every summer in Chicago, the sunshine spotlights the city's spectacular skyline, its luxurious lakeshore, marvelous monuments, and the over 200 neighborhoods in the city. And it also brings to light two of the greatest sports franchises in the world. On the north side, it's the Cubs. On the south side, it's the White Sox. This is Crosstown Crosstown. Hello and welcome to another very exciting episode of Crosstown Crosstalk presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi. Guys, girls, everybody listening, we have a pretty fun show here. I have no script. I have nothing to, you know, go off of on this show today. It's literally just all baseball all the time. I'm so excited about what's going on in Major League Baseball right now as a whole. Obviously, here in Chicago, it's been a bumpy season for both teams. So if you have anything you'd like to hear me talk about, join in the conversation, add a comment to the comment section. I would love to hear from you. And of course, when we talk about baseball right now, the first thing that comes to mind is the St. Louis Cardinals and Albert Pujols. Over the weekend, he came into it needing two home runs to become the fourth player in Major League Baseball history to hit 700. So what does he do? He hits 699 and 700 in the same game. Albert Pujols in his mid-40s comes into this season needing 21 home runs after already announcing his retirement to reach that 700 plateau, and he went out there and he did it. It was one of the most sensational runs to reach a milestone in the history of sports. That would be like if Tom Brady needed 45 touchdowns to break an all-time touch. That's just completely random, but to break a touchdown record. And he went out and did it in his mid-40s. It's one of those things that, like it wouldn't surprise you if he did it, but also at the same time halfway through the season, if he only had 19, you'd be like, okay, he's not going to do it. That's kind of what happened with Pools. The run that he's been on since the end of the All-Star break has been phenomenal to watch. He hit 700, and now he joins Barry Bonds, Henry Aaron, and George Herman Babe Ruth for the only four players in Major League Baseball history to hit 700 career home runs. The fact that we got to be alive at the same time as this guy making that kind of chase has been unbelievable. He probably will retire after this season is over, but you know, seeing him do it, in Los Angeles where he had a cup of coffee at the end of last season. And he hit a bunch of home runs there too, to kind of make it possible this year that he would do that. It's funny. Once he got that Los Angeles angels stink off of him, he started to like hit a bunch of home runs again and become a much more impactful hitter. And the funny thing about this is his home run per plate appearance pace is like a 40 home run season here in 2022. He was a platoon player this year. He only hit against certain kinds of pitching 
all season long. And then once the Cardinals started to pull away with the division a little bit and he started creeping into the 690s and started getting real close to that milestone, the Cardinals started to play him every day. And, you know, that's what we want to see as baseball fans. All records and milestones, we want to see these guys reach them. I I like being part of historical events and Albert Pujols hitting 700 home runs for me to come on this show and talk about it is a historical event. It is something we will never forget. Everybody will always remember. All baseball fans will always remember where they were when Albert Pujols hit his 700th career home run. I was in the middle of a campground. I was having fun with a bunch of people in Wisconsin, drinking beers and eating food and having a grand old time. But when Albert Pujols hits home run number 700, Everything takes a backseat to it. If you are a diehard baseball fan, you got to tweet about it. You got to post about it. You got to talk about it. It's Albert freaking Pujols. He's a legend, and I'm so happy that we were able to witness him hitting 700 career home runs this season. Albert Pujols is not the only player in Major League Baseball this season chasing history. Albert Pujols is not the only one making baseball late in the regular season appointment television. There's another guy. He's a big man. He's a strong man. He's a gifted man. And he plays for the New York Yankees. Of course, I am talking about all rise, Aaron Judge. Last night, Aaron Judge in Toronto, Canada, hit his 61st home run of the season. That ended a streak of seven games. I think it's seven games where he didn't hit a home run at all. He had a little bit of a home run slump, mainly because guys weren't pitching to him because they didn't want to be the one to give up the big home run. Well, yesterday against the Blue Jays in Toronto, he finally got it done. Aaron Judge has 61 career or 61 home runs this season. That is tied with former Yankee great Roger Maris for the American League single season record. No American League player has ever hit more than that. Only Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, and Mark McGuire have surpassed that total in the National League. And here is Aaron Judge just breaking American League records. It is just phenomenal to watch. He is truly one of the greatest players to ever suit up for the Yankees. I'm, I'm saying it. I'm, I'm ready to say it right now that Aaron Judge is one of the greats and we will remember it for a long time. Again, another one of those moments where you will remember where you were for the rest of time. He, I was at a restaurant eating some delicious buffalo chicken pizza while watching the game on the TV and the balls hit high. It's hit deep. And Aaron Judge has done it. Like everyone knows what's going on. It was one of the most incredible things. And I'll tell you what, I loved seeing Roger Maris's son sitting next to Aaron Judge's mother right behind home plate. It looked like they were having a great time. Two people in American League history have ever hit 61 home runs. His dad, her son. It's incredible theater. I loved every second of it. And I'm not sure when Aaron Judge, if, I mean, you got to say if, because there's only eight games left, he needs one more home run to break the record and stand alone as the greatest American League home run season, Aaron Judge. The New York Yankees have already clinched the American League East Division, which is going down as one of the greatest divisions in the history of Major League Baseball because every team in it had a chance to be a postseason team at one point or another this season. The Boston Red Sox and the Baltimore Orioles are ultimately likely going – Boston's already eliminated – The Orioles, their tragic number's four, I believe, and they're playing the Red Sox as we speak. I'm not too sure of the score right now, but 
the Blue Jays, the Tampa Bay Rays, and the Yankees will all be going to the postseason. They're all incredible baseball teams. And the New York Yankees won that insane division kind of by a large margin. It's in large part due to Aaron Judge. On a couple episodes ago of Crosstown Crosstalk, Vinny Parisi came on this show and said that Shohei Otani should be the American League most valuable player over Aaron Judge because he's a top five hitter and a top five pitcher. I am here to correct myself and say that I was wrong. Aaron Judge deserves to be the American League MVP. You don't break a 61-year-old record in American League baseball and not be the MVP. Only three players have had an three active players have had an OPS over a thousand in the last. Or no, it's it's ten WAR season. Only three players in the last and active players have had a 10 war season or better. It is Mike Trout did it twice. Mookie Betts did it once. And now Aaron judge, that's incredible company to be. Those are some of the greatest players to play in this era as well. So congrats to Aaron judge being a right-handed hitter is extremely difficult compared to being a left-handed hitter, because if you're a right-handed hitter, you're facing the wrong pitching matchup 80% of the time. Most pitchers in Major League Baseball are right-handed. Aaron Judge will join, in my opinion, by the time it's all said and done, he kind of had a late start to his Major League career. The Yankees were very patient with Judge. It's paying dividends for them, obviously. Frank Thomas, Manny Ramirez, Albert Pujols, guys like that are the greatest right-handed hitters of all time, in my opinion. And Aaron Judge is right there with them. And I'm so excited that we got to see that. I hope he breaks the record here soon. It could. The Yankees are off today, but it could come as soon as this weekend. I hope it does. Aaron Judge looking for home run number 62, which will break the American League all-time record. We got to talk about some tomfoolery in the stands, though. There was a guy when Aaron Judge hit this monumental home run. And Major League Baseball got lucky because they didn't have to pay anyone a penny for this ball to get back to Aaron Judge because it landed in the bullpen. But the ball bounced off of the mitt of a fan out there in left field. And he would have probably come into a fair, fair return if he would have hung on to that ball. And you see him, when he misses it, he takes his glove and he chucks it behind him. It hits someone in the head. That person don't care. They get it. They would have chucked their mitt too. I would have chucked my mitt if I dropped a potential like half a million dollar baseball. But the story came out that the guy's name who dropped Aaron Judge's ball is Frankie Lasagna. That's right. A man named Frankie Lasagna dropped Aaron Judge's ball so from now on, you have to call me Vinny Mustacholi. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? You know, we got, you know, the Italian jokes on Twitter.com because of Frankie Lasagna dropping Aaron Judge's home run is one of the funniest things. They make jokes about everything on the internet. If you go on Twitter.com, it's mostly a cesspool of nasty people. But every now and then, uh, a happy moment like this comes out where we can all just share a smile over a guy named Frankie Lasagna being the one freaking out about not catching Aaron Judge's home run. I thought that was a hilarious moment, but we move on. That guy will move on. Aaron Judge will move on, obviously. I kind of feel 
like he probably can't wait to hit that home run because then once he hits that home run, he can stop thinking about it and focus on a potential playoff run for the New York Yankees. And normally, look, you see me wearing a Red Sox shirt. I don't normally root for the New York Yankees. I'm not a Red Sox like diehard by any mean. I like the Red Sox, but I also kind of like the Yankees this season. Most of the time, the Yankees are a very hateable team. Their fan base is full of a bunch of, hey, Frankie Lasagnas, hey, Vinny Mustacholi, hey, Mikey Arancini, hey, Joey Mozzarella. That's what most of the Yankees fan base feels like a lot of the time. This is a very likable Yankees team. Aaron Judge, when he got his ball, he gave it to his mom. He shook Roger Maris Jr.'s hand with incredible respect after breaking his father's 61-year-old record. Anthony Rizzo. Chicago fans know how incredible Anthony Rizzo is in the community and as a teammate and as a baseball player. That guy's on the New York Yankees, too. Yeah, Josh Donaldson's a shithead. We hate him. But, you know, we don't have to root against the whole team because of one shithead. The the guys like uh, DJ LeMahieu, another incredible example. I don't love Garrett Cole. Eh, he's kind of weird, but he's an okay guy. Like, fine, whatever. Nestor Cortez is amazing. IFK, very fun. You know, the Yankees are a very likable team this year. It's hard to hate them with a guy like Aaron Judge doing what he's doing. And that's just the way I feel about the Yankees. I'm not going to root against them in the postseason. I'm just not. And most seasons I would. But not this year. They're going to be fun to watch. I, I'm thinking they're going to be the one or the two seed in the American League, which means they have a buy into the American League Division Series. But I believe they will play the winner of the Guardians and the Mariners. No, I have that backwards. They will probably play the winner of the Rays Jays in the second round. I'm not too positive. It'll be the winner of one of those two series. I would have to look it up. I don't want to make anything up. I know there's no reseeding in the Major League Baseball postseason with the new format that they have. So that'll make it fun. I'm so excited to watch the Yankees. I hope the Yankees play the Astros in the American League Championship Series just because those are clearly the two best teams in the AL, and they hate each other. The cheating scandal, all of it. There's no love lost between those two teams. So we'll see what Aaron Judge is able to do from there. In the National League, things are getting really spicy. So in the American League, it's just about all wrapped up. The card or the – Baltimore Orioles, they'll probably just miss. They're, they're this year's version of last year's Seattle Mariners, and we see what Seattle's doing this year. So Baltimore, congrats to you. You have a very nice future. But in the National League, things are all but wrapped up. The American League East, the winner of that division is going to get a bye, and the loser of that division, who is still probably the second or third, the third best team in the National League, they'll have to host a wild card series against the San Diego Padres, who have studs like you Darvish and Blake Snell and hitters like Juan Soto and Manny Machado. That Padres team can beat anyone. And if you lose the American or the National League East Division, you have to host a series against them. That's no fun. And this weekend, Mets versus Braves. So the winner of this series will likely win the division. It is going to be magnificent baseball. I'm so excited to see who comes out on top of that division. There's also the wild card, though. 
The Dodgers ran away with the best record in baseball. They have an all superstar at every single position. It's borderline unfair. I've barely talked about the Dodgers this year, and they keep setting their own personal franchise record for wins with everyone going forward. They might be like a 111-win baseball team by the time it's all said and done, and it's like a mid-level story just because people came into the season expecting it. I mean, at first base, you have Freddie Freeman. Second base, you have Max Muncy. At shortstop, you have Trey Turner. At third base... I can't think of who's probably on third base for them regularly at this point, but like pitchers like Arias and Kershaw and May and their catcher is Will Smith, who's incredible. And their outfield consists of guys like Cody Bellinger and Mookie Betts. And it's just an insane team. If they win the world series, 0% of people will be surprised, but they'll, they'll have the buy into the division series. They'll play whoever comes out of one of the two DS series and in order to reach that DS series, there's going to be a couple wildcard teams in play. There are three spots for four teams. Okay, right now, at the top, it will be the of the wild card will be the loser of the Braves Mets fiasco. Then the Padres, as we mentioned. Then that third spot is held right now by the Philadelphia Phillies, who are looking like they're going to be swept by the Chicago Cubs. The, the Cubs are going to sweep the Phillies helping out their second biggest rival, the Milwaukee Brewers, who are half a game behind Philly. If they win, they'll be in the wild card spot. And it was looking incredibly dim for the Brew Crew, literally like two weeks ago. But the Cubs helped them out. The Phillies kind of helped them out too because they just haven't been playing well. And the Brew Crew's been winning their own games. So the Brew Crew might sneak in. And I'm personally rooting for the Brewers to make it. I have ties to Wisconsin. I have ties to Milwaukee. I like you know, what they do up there with the Brewers. And listen, I'll never love Wisconsin as a place in terms of like sports. I hate the Green Bay Packers, nasty. I'll never fully support the Brewers just because most of their fans are Packer fans. But I like the Brew Crew. They're fine. I hope they make it. I really do. And I probably am, I probably do like them more than I'm giving off right now. I actually really don't care that most of their fans are Packers fans. I can hate you during football season and like you during baseball season. That's how I feel about the Cubs. You know, I like you during football season, during baseball season. No. But I like the Brewers. I think they're going to be that team that sneaks in. And uh, Michael in the chat believes that I wouldn't mind seeing the Brewers. I couldn't agree more. I think we are going to see the Brewers. And, hey, if the Brewers make it as the sixth seed, the Cardinal or the Dodgers and the winner of Braves-Mets will have a bye. The Cardinals are that third division winner. That would mean they play the Brewers in the first round. So you would have a National League Central matchup in the first round of the postseason. And let me tell you how here for that I am. Brewers, Cardinals, that's incredible. Milwaukee, St. Louis, so close to each other, big time rivals. I would love to see it. So that's where I stand on the National League wild card scenario. And between the Braves and the Mets, I have friends from the New York area that are Mets fans. I have family ties to Atlanta. Wouldn't sh wouldn't hurt me at all if Atlanta makes it. Atlanta's the defending World Series champions. Everybody should take them seriously. There's no doubt in my mind about that. I'm excited about this stuff. The MLB playoffs are going to be sick nasty. Two teams that are not thinking playoffs are the two teams that reside in sweet home Chicago. The Chicago Cubs came into this season with zero expectations. 
at the start of it, I'm thinking it's going to be one of the worst Cubs teams in their history by design. So you can't really make fun of them for it. Team like you can make fun of as a team like the White Sox, who's expected to win, but they stink. But the Cubs were not like that. They were supposed to lose by design. They have just started to infiltrate some of these young players that have come through through the Chris Bryant trade and the Anthony Rizzo trade and Peter Crow Armstrong for the Javier Baez trade has been incredible in the minors. He probably won't make his MLB debut till later next season. But I mean, the Cubs have just been brilliant. And yeah, they, they've had like a cakewalk schedule for the last month or so. They've played some pretty weak teams. They're a weak team too, standings wise. But, you know, they're, they're beating teams like the Pirates and the Reds and, you know, other bad teams across the league. But then a team like Philly comes in and the Cubs just kind of destroy it. And I don't know the exact score right now. For those listening on the podcast, you're not going to – it's going to be old news to you, but if you're watching live, the Cubs are leading two to nothing in the top of the seventh over the Phillies in danger of sweeping them, which, as I mentioned, will help the Brew Crew pass them in the standings, which we're all rooting for. Like Brewers fans and people who want the Brewers to make it are rooting for the Cubs today. I said yesterday, I think I might be rooting for the Cubs on Thursday just because I want the Brewers to make it instead of the Phillies, but don't tell anyone I said that. It's interesting the way the Cubs have been lately, their outlook, they're going to go for Shohei Otani in a trade. They might try to sign Trey Turner, who feels like a perfect Cub. You know, they might go for Correa or Bogarts as to be their shortstop next season. Nico Horner has been really good. Ian Happ was not traded and he can return next year. Wilson Contreras has been begging the Cubs to sign him long-term forever. I don't know if that'll actually get done, but he's going to try. And if that happens, that's a bunch of really good players that you have lining up in there with the Cubs and developing pitching has been a major problem for them. They've gotten really good pitching from a lot of these guys. Okay. Keegan Thompson has been incredible this season so far today. He has gone five or no, I'm thinking Assad was the one who got the start for the Cubs today. No earned runs, five innings, five hits, 3.62 ERA. Thompson this season has been incredible. Uh, the Killian kid has been amazing. So Keegan Thompson is 10 and five with a 3.79 ERA, hundred strikeouts. He's in a relief appearance today for the Cubs, which is interesting, but the uh, guys like Patrick wisdom, Frank Schwindel, they really didn't pan out the way people thought they were going to this year. If only someone would have came on this show and said that the Cubs should trade both wisdom and Schwindel at the end of last season, because there's no way 30 year olds are great rookies and stay great forever. There's a reason they made it to their rookie year as a 30-year-old. Mm, that's what you get. You should have traded Schwindel and Wisdom last year. You would have got something for him. Wisdom is really good at hitting home runs. I believe he's third in the National League in home runs since entering the league. The problem is when he doesn't hit a home run, he is worthless. He is literally only good at one thing. Cubs should have traded him last year, gotten assets that would have helped him for the future. But that hindsight is 2020. Another player I really like is Seiya Suzuki. Dealt with some injury problems this year. Not too certain if, you know, he's going to be a player that can be relied upon. He kind of fits like the Chicago White Sox mold. Like, hey, you'll play 100 games. In those 100 games, you'll be really good. But where are you for the other 62? That's a problem. Hopefully, Say is able to stay healthy next season because when he's in the lineup, he's really, really, really good. So that's the Cubs. It's going to be an interesting offseason for them. I'm excited to bring on Cubs-related guests to this show to wrap up their season next week and beyond because I think they're going to have a very exciting offseason for the fans of that team who 
have kind of dealt with a painful last two years, trading Rizzo, trading Bryant, trading Kimbrell, trading Bias, um, happened Contreras around the trade block all season long, and they ended up not being traded. The two dudes were crying on the field in uh, July. And now, you know, here they are still on the team. We'll see if they make it through. That's the Cubs. The Chicago White Sox, however, at this time of the recording, they are one out away from ending a nine-game losing streak. No, an eight-game losing streak. They were in danger of it being nine. And, yeah, they might win this game. It'll end that dreaded eight-game win streak. They really, really let everybody down. There's no other way to put it. They came into the Cleveland Guardian series needing the win to stay in the division race. They ended up getting swept. Then they went out and got swept by the Detroit Tigers. Now they got swept or they were in danger of being swept by the Minnesota Twins. We'll see if they're able to hang on to this four to three lead in the ninth inning. But yesterday at about midnight central time, they were officially eliminated from postseason contention due to their loss and the Seattle Mariners win over the Texas Rangers. So the mathematical number for the White Sox is now zero. They are done. They will not be going to the postseason. Chicago will be without the postseason entirely for the first time since 2019. I want to say that's the year the Cubs traded for Castellanos and then fell off a cliff from there, missed the postseason. Then they both made it in 2020. So it's the first time since 2019 that Chicago won't host playoff baseball. That really stinks. But each team reaps what they sow. The Cubs kind of did it by design. There are a lot of things that I've disagreed with over the last two years, like not getting rid of Schwindel, like not getting rid of Wisdom. The White Sox kept Tony LaRusa in as the manager for way too long. Bad lineups, horrid bullpen management, nasty in-game strategy decisions. I am not a fan of the way he conducted this team. It was a flawed roster from the beginning. Eloy Jimenez is statistically the third best DH in the American League this season. It goes Shohei Otani. Um, now I'm drawing a blank on the kid's name in Houston. Um, give me a minute. It'll come to me. The – uh, Alvarez in Houston, he's incredible. And then Eloy, those three guys, that's the cream of the crop designated hitters in major league in the American league. I should say the national league is still working on getting the DH, right? A lot of those teams were caught kind of laid off guard with that and didn't really plan for it this season. It was an advantage to the American league this season, but as the national league catches up, they'll be just fine with the DH as well. But, um, Eloy's amazing. I wouldn't necessarily, everybody, should be on the block when you're a non-playoff team. This goes. This applies to every non-playoff team. Every single player can be on the block if you get the right package to make your team better. But as of right now, I, I, I really like Aloy. So that means you have to choose between Andrew Vaughn, who's a young stud leading the team in home runs, tied for the team lead in RBI, and Jose Abreu, who is an unrestricted free agent, but he's been one of the best first basemen over the last handful of years in the entire league. Um, I believe only four players have 200 home runs and 300 doubles in the last uh, two years. And I believe it's Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Jose Abreu. Oh, they showed the graphic on the screen today. I can't remember who the fourth was. Anyway, he's amazing. And then you got Gavin Sheets, who is like an outfielder, first baseman, DH type. He's not very good at the outfield, neither is Vaughn. But um, 
at this moment in time, the White Sox did end their losing streak. They defeated the Minnesota Twins to end a losing streak and go to San Diego on a positive note, in a way. And San Diego is going to be fighting for their playoff life. And the White Sox are going to try and play spoiler against a team they're often compared to. So that's that. But like I said, the White Sox got decisions to make with those four. Who's going to play first base? Who's going to be the DH? Who's going to play the outfield? I think there are big moves to be made during the offseason. I was given a little hint, hint that both Tony La Russa and Miguel Cairo will for sure not return to the White Sox in the year 2023, which is it's, it's unfortunate that this is the reason that Tony La Russa is going to be gone. It's because of his heart condition. I wish nothing like ill on Tony La Russa. I hope he recovers just fine. I hope he lives a long, fruitful life and nothing bad happens to him. I just am not a fan of him from a baseball point of view. I do not agree with his managerial style this season. I do not think it has helped the Chicago White Sox. In fact, I think it is the exact opposite. I think it has hurt them. But I just wish they would have just like fired him for baseball reasons instead of using this as a like a kind of an out to let him go when it clearly was a smart idea to do that back in May. And it just it feels kind of scummy, but at the same time, like what are you gonna do? He needed a freaking heart pacemaker. And sometimes that happens, you know, people get old, but um, it's probably been the most disappointing season in Chicago White Sox history. And you could put it up there with those 2019 Cubs, the 2019 Bears, I would put up there. There are a plethora of disappointing Chicago sports teams over the years. This White Sox team is right there near the top. I legitimately thought they had a chance to make it to the American League Championship Series at minimum. I came into this series or this season thinking like, who's better than them? Okay, the Astros are better than them. They proved that last year, but the Astros were really the only team in the American League definitively better than them at any point. They had a winning record against the Yankees. Uh, Rays, I think, was even. And I think they struggled against Toronto. There was a team really good last year that they struggled against. But, you know, for the most part, they were one of the cream of the crop in the American League. I'm like, okay, so if the only team better than them is the Astros in the American League and the Astros lost Correa and we don't know what we're going to get from Verlander, this is what I'm thinking at the beginning of the year, not what I'm thinking now. Verlander's probably going to win the Cy Young. But going into the year, that was my legitimate thought about the team. I'm honest with myself. I normally give honest opinions and what I say is what I think. And going in, I thought the Astros – so if you don't play the Astros in the first round, which is unlikely to play the second, the same team two years in a row in the first round, especially with the new setup now where the three division winners are guaranteed to not be playing each other in the first round, you liked your chances. If the White Sox would have just lived up to the hype and won the American League Central, but it was all for naught. The Yankees were better. The Astros were better. The Guardians were better, the Jays were better, the Rays were better, the Mariners were better, and the Orioles were better. The White Sox, and now the White Sox avoided having the Twins have a better record than them by winning this game. I think the White Sox are probably better than the Twins. They have clearly given up. I do think if they like won that series against Cleveland, they probably would have played better against Detroit and different decisions would have been made on personnel and whatnot. You know, I do believe in time and space and every action has an equal and opposite re- like act. Like there's actions that come with other actions. I'm not trying to get all scientific on people, but you know, that's just my opinion on how things work. If they win that first game in extra innings, 
then maybe they play better in the second game. They're more motivated. You know, they, you know, look better on defense, tighten up the screws a little bit. I do believe in body language in sports. I'm also, I like analytics and body language. I'm like a melting pot of like the old school and the new school. And I think that's the best way to look at sports personally. So that's just my take on the White Sox. They're done. They're not going anywhere this season. I do not think all hope is lost for either team in Chicago as they enter next year. It would not surprise me one bit if the Cubs have a better record than the White Sox next year. It also would not surprise me one bit if the White Sox have a better record than the Cubs next season. I know there are a lot of groups of friends out there that play like a little game with their opposite fan friend. Like, hey, $5 for every win difference between the White Sox and the Cubs. And, like, the only way to play it fair is to just make it, like, a lifetime thing. So that way, like, each of you win about 50% of the time unless one team goes on, like, a crazy run. The 2010s would have been dominated by the Cubs, but the last five or six years would have been dominated by – I don't know. The last three to four years would be dominated by the White Sox. Um, But, I mean, at the end of the day – Chicago having playoff baseball is what it's all about. We we have a crappy winter coming up. It's going to be negative 10 degrees before you know it. At least give us some playoff baseball first. And if these teams ever met in the World Series, I think it would be one of the funnest times in the history of this city. And all the people alive enjoying sports at that time would be, you know, as thrilled as you could possibly be as a fan. And, you know, when we have the Crosstown Classic, it's so much more fun when – each team has a chance to win. It makes the White Sox beating the Cubs feel better for me. It makes the White Sox losing to the Cubs hurt more for me. And that is what sports is all about. You're supposed to be so happy, so elated, so filled with joy when your favorite team wins. And you are supposed to be so pissed off and so angry and so annoyed when your team loses. And so when you got that with, you know, the two Chicago teams, I think it just makes it so fun. I look forward to those moments every summer and, oh, it's not a real rivalry. It's a fan-driven rivalry. Yeah, I know. They don't play in the same league. They don't impact each other's position in the standings unless they're playing each other. Like, I firmly understand all of that. I just enjoy fun. I enjoy banter. It's a good time. It's always nice weather. Wrigley Field in the summer is great. Guaranteed Ray Field in the summer is outstanding. There's delicious food. There, You know, the sounds, the smells, everything. Make Chicago baseball great again. Someone. I like David Ross as a Cubs manager. I think they have a nice thing going there. They're building something, and it's going to be good soon enough. I hope the White Sox are able to retool quickly. Be like the San Diego Padres. The Padres had the exact same season as the White Sox are having right now last year. They choked. They were fighting in the dugout. They were pissed off. This guy's blaming this guy, and Fernando Tatis Jr. and Manny Machado were screaming at each other in the dugout. Look what happened this year. They're one of the best teams in the National League again. And, you know, in 2020, the Padres were very, very good. You know, they were slam Diego, you might remember. It was incredible to watch every game the Padres played. What's Fernando Tatis Jr. going to do now? You know, how's Manny Machado doing? The White Sox can do that. They were great in 2020 and 2021. They were so good. They were one of the best teams in the American League both times. And then in 2022, lethargic managing Lots of injuries early. They got healthy late, which is unlike 2021 when they were actually good. Um, Down years for Moncada and Giolito and Grindal, all guys who have been elite in the past, and now they stink. Do you just forget how to play baseball in one year? No, I don't believe you do. 
And so we'll see if they're able to retool, get a new manager, feel good about themselves going into 2023. Hopefully there's, well, not hopefully, there's not going to be a lockout this year that changes everything for people. Um, I'm excited to see what the offseason brings for the White Sox. I know Cubs fans are for their team as well. And the two Chicago teams, I believe, will be improved on what they were this year, next year. Do I think that means playoffs for both teams? I don't know. There's extra teams in each league. Um, the American League is very top-heavy. If a team like the Mariners or the Jays or the Rays made leeway for a team like the White Sox or the Orioles or the Twins, wouldn't shock me at all. Are the Guardians going to be as good as they are this year, next next year th- as they are this year? I don't know. They're the youngest team in the league based on average age. Teams like that can falter. You never know what you're going to get from this guy. Will Stephen Kwan have a rookie or a sophomore slump? Like, is Jose Ramirez eventually going to stop being the best player in the American League? I, you know, he's not the best player in the American League, but he's top five. Um, they get great pitching. It's a pitching factory. Uh, you know, I wanted to talk about Cleveland a little bit here for a minute. The Guardians are so sweet. And every fan of a team in Major League Baseball that isn't a fan of the Yankees or the Dodgers and to some degree the Rays and some years the A's should want their team to model after the Cleveland Guardians. They lost the World Series in 2016. It was to a stacked Cubs team, and they had the best record in the AL two years later in 2018. I believe they had a 22-game win streak that broke the 0-2 A's record from you know the Moneyball year. Um, the Guardians, they play baseball the right way. They literally, to a T, play it the way your coach explains it to you in Little League. And it reminds me of like the 2005 White Sox. If they pull off some upsets in this playoff and make it to the World Series, I will be 0% surprised. I'm not rooting for it just because like they took out my White Sox. Like, of course, I'm really not going to root for it. But I love like they run hard. They they'll go from first to third. You give them an inch, they take a mile. They are a pitching factory. These guys come out of nowhere. They trade guys like Trevor Bauer and Clevenger. Because they can. They let Corey Kluber walk because they don't believe they need him anymore. It, uh, just they And Shane Bieber is one of the best pitchers in the American League. He'll be top five in Cy Young again. Again. And this McKenzie kid comes out of nowhere and they have Savali. And, you know, the Emmanuel Classe is one of the nastiest closers I've ever seen. He made me... For the last three years, including when he was on the A's, I said Liam Hendricks was the best closer in the American League. 2020 with the A's, 2021 with the White Sox, 2022 with the White Sox. Until about halfway through this year. I I flipped. I think Liam is probably second or third now. Emmanuel Classe is incredible. The two best closers in the AL might be in the AL Central, which is the division everyone likes to poo-poo on. But he... Unreal what Cleveland does. They are a pitching factory. It's almost like, hey, if you're a pitcher drafted by Cleveland, you're going to become a good player in the league. And that's why they went, you know, 20 and three or whatever it was in their last 23 games to come up and snatch the American League Central from the White Sox and from the Twins, for that matter, who held the the lead in the division for most of the year. Um, I really respect what Cleveland does, and I'm excited to see how they play. I believe they will officially play against the Seattle Mariners in the first round. It's not official. The Mariners still have to clinch. They also, I guess it's possible that, you know, the other two wildcard teams slip a little bit, but it's in all likelihood going to be Mariners guardians and man, 
I'm here for it. The Mariners will clinch a playoff spot for the first time in 21 years, which is just monumental stuff. And uh, I'm frankly very excited to see it. So that's our show. It was a very nice 40-minute discussion. I can't thank Skyler, um, my dad, Michael, enough in the chat for chiming in today. I know we were a little later than usual today. Um, I had a special start time of 3 o'clock, but I had to get in at least 40 minutes of podcast time talking about Aaron Judge, okay, talking about uh, Albert Pujols. Two amazing pillars in our game today. And, you know, what are the White Sox and the Cubs doing previewing the offseason? By the time we have our next episode of Crosstown Crosstalk next week, it will be the offseason for those two teams, and we will preview the playoffs. I'm very excited about it. I plan on getting guests all offseason long to help me discuss who is going to come in with, you know, the offseason rumors and who can this team sign? Who do you think the Cubs are going to do? The White Sox need a right fielder, a second baseman. The Cubs probably want to look to add some starting pitching and maybe an outfielder, look for a designated hitter, stuff like that. There's all sorts of ways. What's Wilson Contreras going to do? Those are the things I'm going to be looking for during the offseason for both the White Sox and the Cubs, and I'm excited about it. And like I said already a million times, the postseason is going to be incredible. I highly encourage everybody to be excited for it. Watch it. Keep up with this show. What are we doing? Who's Vinny rooting for? Who's Vinny picking? Are we going with the Braves, the Mets? What's going to go on with the Amer- or the National League wild card? We will know all of this stuff by our show next Thursday at 2 p.m. And I cannot wait to break it down with each and every one of you. Um, you could tune into the rest of the shows here at the Barroom Network. The full schedule goes on Twitter every day. It's exciting to be a part of. I love this stuff. We got good football analysis. The NFL's heating up. You got Bengals versus Dolphins tonight, a battle of a team that's off to a hot start versus a team that struggled to start, even though they were in the Super Bowl last year. I got the Bengals tonight. Now that I said that out loud, that you could put all your money on the Dolphins. But, man, the Dolphins are good, though. I'm not confident. Tonight's game is so interesting. I cannot wait to watch Dolphins-Bengals tonight. It is going to be incredible. And the Bengals are wearing their white helmets for the first time ever, so we could stop looking at Photoshopped versions of them on Twitter.com every single day. But I've probably seen 1,500 Joe Burrow pictures with the white helmet Photoshopped on him instead of the uh, orange one. But, yeah, very much looking forward to it. Of course, the South Burbs Hitman will have its season finale on Monday night with Ozzy Guillen Jr. as our special guest. We'll break down what went on with the Chicago White Sox season. It's probably going to be a lot of disgusting conversation, to be honest with you. I'm very excited about it, but it's going to be breaking down this White Sox team that had one of the most miserable years in recent memory. So I highly encourage everybody to tune in. I'll get nice and pissed off right before and be ready for it. And then next week, Bar Down Talking Hockey, we will preview the Metropolitan Division I plan on having a very special guest as well to lead us into the preview of the Metro Division. We'll talk NFL. We'll talk everything going on in pop culture. Um, Highly, highly, highly encourage everybody to tune in. Hockey season is upon us. Going to be a very exciting show all season long. And like I said, this show's not going anywhere. The offseason is going to be incredible for Crosstown Crosstalk, and it's honestly just as fun talking about the postseason as it is our Chicago teams. So make sure you tune in all October long. I can't thank the people in the chat enough once again. Thank you for listening always. No matter what, stay family, stay baseball, stay sports, stay on the Barroom Network. And as always, let's go White Sox. Thank you for listening. Another happy landing.